This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Godless Revolution. I'm Dan Ellis, doing John Oliver. Uh, today is Friday, March 6th. This is episode 201. Yay! We're, we're over the hump. We're over the hump. Oh, was that the hump? I had the 200 hump. Huh. That wasn't a bad hump. You go, you go up, up the hill toward 200, and then you go down the hill, and then you go up the hill toward 300. At what point do you stop celebrating? Did I say today's Friday, March 6th? It's a Friday, so yeah. I can get fucking drunk and shit while we're recording. I, I didn't really take that into account. I only brought down one one cocktail. Hmm. But I'm Dan Ellis. And I'm Ryan Duffy. And I'm Matt. No. <laughs> we ha- we're we're ha- happily joined by wonderful X from Utah Outcasts. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. I like when you do that on mm. the show. That's, that's kind of your trademark now. It is. Yay. <laughs> uh, so tonight we have a wonderful interview with Dr. Hector Garcia, who wrote Alpha God, The Psychology of Religious Violence and Oppression. It's a fucking awesome book, man. I have to admit, I didn't read the whole thing yet. I've, I've read through, well, almost all of chapter four. But he's also a really interesting guy. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking very much forward to reading this and his next book. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but you'll have to wait for that. The book, the second book, sounds really interesting to you, political hacks out there that love this kind of thing. Oh yeah, I bet Taylor would love that one, the political one. Being an atheist and super into politics, but mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be that'll be awesome. I look forward to that and having him on the show again. Uh, great interview, fantastic book. I I can't say enough good things about it, and I've I'm only four chapters in. So if you have not read it yet, you should go and check it out for sure. I, I plan on writing a glowing review once I've completed the book, but I have not done that yet, so I cannot write the review and be totally honest about it. But It's like, what, 12 bucks on Kindle, I think? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think you can get it for 12 bucks on Kindle and like, what was it, 15? 15 on, on paperback or hardback, yeah. I'm not sure which yeah. one it was. but Yeah, but really, really fucking good book. What have you guys been up to over the last week and change? Almost two weeks since we recorded last. Um, I have a couple things. Yeah? Yeah. One thing, so, what? <laughs> just, uh, I got a couple things. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm excited. What What are they? I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that's what it is. Uh, yeah, so, much of the news in recent weeks have been about the long overdue push for gun control measures. Mm-hmm. In this country, um, yeah, I've been arguing with so many people. Yeah, um, and of course, it's being met with furious resistance from amophiles. But one of the things that I've noted, though, is that the same people who have a hard on for Wayne Lapierre are the ones who whined that Colin Kaepernick and company were dis- disrespecting the troops. Mm-hmm. Um, but their reason for keeping their AR-15s is in case the government ever gets out of control. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so it's like we support the troops. But I'm going to fucking mow them down the second <laughs> that opportunity comes up. 
That's that's what right? always seems so fucking weird to me is that everybody's like, well, what if our government gets out of hand and, you know, we've got to protect ourselves? And I'm like, protect ourselves from who? We are the government. We are the military. All of us. Not, like yeah. us as a citizen population, that's who we are. It's not like our military is imported from some fucking foreign land. Mm-hmm. They're Americans. They're your yeah. fucking neighbors. Yeah. I just think it's interesting that. Kneeling on a football field is disrespecting the troops, but hanging on to all of your assault rifles so that you can eventually shoot, mow them yeah, down, shoot yeah. down a bunch of troops that might be infri- if they come from infringing guns, on your other rights or whatever. That is a very interesting point. Yeah. That's, that's been, a good one. I like that. I've Thanks. been having a lot of fun watching the uh, the right wing attempt to attack character assassinate teenagers. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've put a couple of videos of David Hogg and Laura Ingram out there and it's just like. The people coming out, David Hogg's a fucking liar. I'm like, he's 17. He's a crisis <laughs> actor. Dude, there's a whole website divided or devoted to calling him a crisis actor and just trying to tear him down. It's it's run by the same fucking guy who does natural news and all that other pseudoscience bullshit. Ah, David Avocado Wolf. No, it's, um, <laughs> what is it, Mike Adams? Oh, another. It's either Mike or Mark out. Adams. I don't know. His last name is Adams. Either Mike or Mark. And, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a whole shit show. He, he holds. Not the Dilbert guy. No, no, that's Scott Adams. <laughs> that's another mm-hmm. fucking yeah. Adam. But yeah, he's, he's the guy who runs natural news and all these other pseudoscientific websites just full of woo and bullshit. Hmm. Anyway. What else yeah. you got? Um, yeah. So like all week, basically we've been, uh, paying attention to my mom's health and, uh, then my aunt has a heart attack. <laughs> oh no. How's your mom doing? Uh, she's doing better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when we recorded last, your father was having, or had called you because your mother was having some issues, but she's doing better. And she needed yeah, a drink of water. She, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's in a home now. Oh yeah. As a, is this a, is this a move to the home or is mm-hmm. this a temporary thing? No, she's there for probably ever. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's good. She'll get the care and attention she needs and. Yeah. Craves. Sometimes it seems like, yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad. And then your dad doesn't have to deal with it as much. And yeah. Be as burdened with it. Is he at the home with her or is he staying at, at um, the family house? He's, he stays at home, home, but then visits her at her new home. Yeah. At her new residence. Well, that's good. So what was the second thing? That was it. Oh. My aunt had a heart attack. Your aunt had a heart attack. Is she all right or? No, she's dead. Oh, dad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, uh, was she a lovely person or you're yeah, like. Yeah, she was cool. Oh, well, good. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, dad? Oh, good. Your, your nice aunt is dead now. No, I mean, it was good. She was a good person. I'm sorry that that happened. That sucks. It's like he's secretly hoping she was some sort of asshole. Be like, well, good. I'm glad that happened to her. <laughs> How old was she? 80. Oh, oh okay. So she died of so death. So that's fine. It makes it, well, it makes it a little less yeah, tragic, yeah, yeah. but. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that hits at least 80 is just at that point where you're like, yeah, you died of death. You she know? smoked a lot. <laughs> you died of death. And what did he die from? Death. <laughs> but it was my dad's sister, though, so that sucked. Uh, yeah, so your dad's having a hard time. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Damn. Well, hopefully, hopefully he's doing all right. Is he managing it well? I, I haven't okay? talked to him since. I, I don't know how yeah. he's doing. I mean, probably. <laughs> it'll be fine i don't know maybe he didn't answer because he's dead <laughs> oh so you tried calling yeah oh, okay <laughs> yeah i i i 
try calling my dad when I have to. Like I, Wait. I don't, I don't just chat with my dad. Is that something you're supposed to do speaking. as an adult? Fuck, I am doing this wrong. <laughs> I hear a lot of people do it. I've <laughs> never been that guy. Like I'll chat with, I'll chat with my mom, but it's because I see her more often. But I don't like call my mom to just chat either. Mm-hmm. My wife had told me that my dad had to go in and get an endoscope done, and he came to find out she, that he had an ulcer. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. And she's like, have you called him? I'm like, why? It's just an ulcer. <laughs> like, Wait, am I supposed to give a shit? You know? <laughs> yeah, I've I've just never been that guy who calls their parents and just chats. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Which kind of makes me a shitty kid, I think, because like they've done quite a bit. And my mom has always, always been there. Like if I ever needed anything, she was just fucking right there. And I don't call and just chit chat with her. Yeah, but mine had it coming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what have you been doing over the last week? Oh, Jesus. I'm getting ready for a vacation coming up in the next couple of weeks. And do you just go on vacation somewhere? No, no. I'm going to Hawaii in like two weeks. Just you and the wife or you and the wife and kids? <laughs> no, it's wife, kids, and the entire extended Mormon family. Oh, that sounds fun. And we're staying two blocks away from the BYU campus in in Hawaii where we're going to go to the Polynesian Cultural Center. <laughs> of course you are. <sighs> and I'm like, they're talking about, well. Well, we get there. Let's go to Costco because we're staying at a house instead of a uh oh, a, a hotel. Did you get like an Airbnb or something? Yeah. Well, it's like a house that can like hold like 17 people. Oh, wow. So it's going to be fun. So it, but so at the it same might time, hold a Mormon family? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on this, Especially this side of the family. <laughs> and so I said, well, who is anybody, if they're going to Costco, can they pick me up a handle of whatever vodka they have? Because fucking delicious. It's good stuff from there. And they're like, um. We don't purchase um, alcohol. We don't really feel like we'd be okay doing that. And I'm like. How about I pay you double? Because that's still cheaper than Utah rates. And just no, it's not the cost that we're worried about. I'm just like, Jesus might see us fondling your alcohol and be very disapproving of it. Okay, I'm like I only promise that me, my wife, and maybe a kid will have some of it. But jeez, that's that's fucking childish. <sighs> it's it's fun. I can't even purchase it because mm-hmm. you're just going to consume it, and then I'm contributing to your consumption of the devil's juice, and, and every, it's just not a good thing. Everyone, it's not a good that- thing. That goes dressed the way that they do. It's like, you're going to have all this beachwear on plus garments. It's like, why are you going to make yourself fucking miserable <laughs> in the tropics wearing fucking garments? It's just. Oh, you get used to it. It's just, they're light and breezy. It's fine. Apparently the new ones are, I think, but I, I don't know if anybody's gotten those yet. The ladies got their new garments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guys still have to wear the bum flap ones. I, I don't know about that. I, I no. Th- no. 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 Okay. No. <laughs> They have they have more they have sexy garments now no. they're or sexy er maybe sexy-er. break into the fuck me in the ass for Jesus song that <laughs> <laughs> the poop hole loophole mm-hmm. uh, so I w- attended the American Atheist Convention that was a whole lot of fun um, saw and spoke with and visited with so many fantastic fucking people uh, one of my favorite moments was Mandisa Thomas's talk. About the atheist community. Uh, that was fucking amazing. Mandisa is just awesome. We need to get her on the show. I I keep telling her every time I see her, I'm like, oh, we need to get you on the show. And I fucking don't do it. So she'll be coming on the show soon, sometime here in the near future. Uh, so the, the first day, the first day, like on Thursday, when there's not really anything going on and we're just meeting for American atheist stuff as state directors and stuff. Uh, I I 
happened to walk into a room where Aaron was sitting. No, actually, this was, no, this was still Thursday, I believe. But I walked into a room where, where Aaron was sitting. I sat down behind him. I just like, you know, tapped him on the shoulder. Hey, man, how you doing? I was like, oh, hey, Dan. Yeah, sorry I missed your show. And then he gave me, I think, what could be a pretty funny reason why he had to cancel on us at the last minute. But I will save that for when he does come on the show because he <laughs> he said that he absolutely does want to come on the show and apologized profusely for having to cancel. But he had a good reason for not coming on the show that was funny in retrospect, I think. I think he thinks it's kind of funny, too, but I'll let him tell the story when he comes on the show. Uh, you had to be there. <laughs> But yeah, it was just, it was amazing. I, uh, I got a high five from Hugh Laurie when he was walking nice. off stage. Nice. Uh, and he just, he was just a genuinely really nice guy. Met and spoke with several fans of the show who were very excited that I was there. Really? In Oklahoma, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and they were from all over, but hmm. that's where the convention was. Uh, also ran into a bunch of fellow podcasters there. Uh, Thomas. Thomas Smith. Um, Who? Thomas Smith. You know, the leader of the Outrage Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest to Google man on earth. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Thomas was there and Noah, Heath, and Eli and Cecil was there from oh, yeah. Cognitive Dissonance. Um, that is a hairy man. He is very hairy. He's got a great beard, though. It's like super dark and thick. He's Italian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Cyril, yeah. One of the cutest things was I was standing outside talking to uh, Jack Materko and, and a few other people, and Noah happened to be out there, and there was a couple there who had a, a Boston Terrier who had, like, almost identical markings to Oliver, but mm -hmm. he's, like, half Oliver's size and is full-grown. Tracy thought it was a puppy when she first saw it. Because Oliver's the big yeah, he is. Boston big. Terrier, and this one was more small, Normal. but it was so fucking cute and adorable. So it comes out, and we're petting it and saying hi and everything, and and Noah came walking over and like got down on his knees, and the dog just fucking attacked, not not attacked him in a bad way, but was just like jumping up on him, trying to like mm -hmm. lick his face and everything. It was fucking adorable. It was it was like the cutest thing for the whole conference. That was that was the cuteness overload for the conference, but. Met a bunch of really cool people, chatted with a bunch of people that I only get to see like once a year at the convention that are awesome people, heard heard a lot of great, fantastic talks, learned a lot, and yeah, it was a great time. I had a, had a very good time, aside from my wound on my leg getting infected, and that sucked, but- You mean that wasn't the cutest part of the- No. Of the week? No, this is kind of the grossest part. Oh, look at you, you cute little <laughs> festering thing. You, look at, I love the way you ooze. So the, I have the cute part was Noah attracting animals. <laughs> well, I have, I, I have a history of skin cancer and melanomas, and so I go into the dermatologist every six months and get however many moles removed for biopsy, and then I usually have to go back to have one or two more excised more fully. And so the last time I went in, I had to get one excised more fully on my leg and I had a couple stitches and that was all fine and good but and it was healing very well everything was going fine I was going to get my stitches out the day after we got back from Oklahoma but the two days before we were set to leave Lawrence Krauss it swiped your leg <laughs> <laughs> he came over and his hand. he came <laughs> over and grabbed the edge of my skirt no uh 
It just, I, I'm of. guessing it was, I'm guessing it was just being maybe in a hotel room. I rubbed my leg on something gross in the hotel room. I don't know, but I got really infected really fast, but it's, it's getting much better now. With your explanation of moles and how many you've had removed makes me think your body's description would be trypophobia. You know, just be <laughs> <laughs> all full of holes. All full yeah. Of holes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, well, it's just all scar tissue now. Like, I just, <laughs> I have, down, scar I have tissue. so many scars, it's ridiculous. I, uh, I look like, I don't know, I, I went through some kind of war with small munitions and. <laughs> Survived the shrapnel yeah, wars. Yeah, I should, I should have several purple <laughs> the hearts. airsoft wars of. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to some newsy stuff, shall we? Or no, let's do the interview first, and then we'll do some newsy stuff. Sure. Okay. I'm Bryce Barkenagle. Have you ever wondered if Joseph Smith was drugging the early Mormons? Turns out it might be possible when you have a fantastic congregation that is witnessing angels floating around in the rafters and think that the temple is on fire and they're running out in the snow and writhing around on the ground naked. Yeah, as it turns out, drugs might be the best explanation. Be sure to check out my Sunstone Symposium presentation on the Joseph Smith Entheogen Theory by punching that into any YouTube browser. And thank you so much for checking that out, and be sure to check out the Naked Mormonism podcast. This is The Godless Revolution. Dad, today at school, my teacher said we evolved from other animals. That's not true, is it? Of course not, Stephen. We were created by monkey God in his monkey image. But how do we know for sure God's a monkey? Well, do you think God throws his own poop and enjoys jumping up and down in place? Yeah. And do you think when he's eating bananas, he periodically stops chewing and looks around with an angry expression to make sure no one's plotting to steal them? Yeah. And do you think his ass is slightly less hairy than the rest of his body? Yeah. Then there's your answer, champ. Okay, but how do we know God really loves us? Because his son died for our sins. Monkey Jesus could have ripped off the Romans' arms and masturbated all over their bodies, but he chose love instead. And I think that makes him pretty darn special. Cool. Thanks, Dad. You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. All right. On the line with us, we have Dr. Hector Garcia. How are you tonight? Very good. Thank you. Excellent. It's great to have you on the show. It was also great to meet you in person in Oklahoma. Ditto. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, my pleasure. I am absolutely loving your book. So for those in the audience, Dr. Garcia is a clinical psychologist and has written a book called Alpha God. And I just, I, I was instantly hooked by the time I was able to actually start reading it. Uh, I have to admit to everybody out there that I have not completed the entire book. I'm like two pages shy, at least in my Kindle thing wise of finishing chapter four. But from like the early, early pages in chapter one, I was totally hooked. Uh, you seem to have this way of presenting a bunch of historical information really, really succinctly and pulling no punches while doing so, and then just grabbing people's attention, providing this bit of historical information, and then moving forward into modern day and how these uh, historical bits of information are influencing everything up from the time that those events occurred until present day. And it's really. I know, just, just so far in reading the first four chapters of the book, it's changed a lot of the way that I view uh, some of the events that are going on in the world currently and how I view how religion has evolved. And I just, I think it's amazing. Um, 
Before we get more into your book, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Well, I, I'm a, a clinical psychologist and I, I specialize in, in treating combat-related PTSD using uh, evidence-based treatments. Um, and I'm in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Texas uh, Health Science Center in San Antonio. And um, yeah, just very, very much interested in the evolutionary sciences. I just think about this stuff all the time. I find it endlessly fascinating. I find it um, to provide key insights into who we are and, uh, and, and into, you know, a lot of the social problems that we face. It's just a, a it's just an incredibly valuable tool that I, that I want to be kind of an ambassador for as much as I can and share whatever insights happen to come to me. Have you always been an atheist? Yeah. Yeah. I would say yes. You know, I'm, 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 I hear a lot of people talking about how they converted from being very religious. Um, to being an atheist, but in my case, you know, I, I kind of grew up atheist. I came from a, a pretty huge um, uh, Mexican Catholic family, uh, but my dad was an atheist. He was a Darwinist, so I, I never had to go through all that. Hmm. That so, is very fortunate, especially so <laughs> especially there in Texas. <laughs> have you have you lived in Texas your entire life? Uh, for the most part, I, I grew up in El Paso along the along the border. Um, and moved around a bit, went to school on the East coast, went to Rutgers and stayed, stayed in, in New York for a few years, lived in New Mexico, but, but mostly, yeah, mostly around Texas. Yeah. And so when you wrote the book, because you're, you were an atheist, I'm guessing most of your family was aware of this information that you didn't have to come out to them or there wasn't, there wasn't much of a brouhaha about you writing a book basically saying that God was created in man's image? Oh, there was some brouhaha. There was some definite <laughs> brouhaha. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I've always been atheist, but I haven't been, you know, I haven't, I, I haven't had the card that one carries, so to speak. You know, it's not, I just like never really believed. So, um, so uh, I wasn't especially outward about it. Like, like, like a lot of people. Um, Starting to be a little bit more as I see the value of doing that. I think, I think, um, I think it helps other people who, who are worried, you know, about what will happen if they, if they report that they don't believe to their social group, you know, they're worried about, they're worried about committing social suicide, right? They're worried about, you know, mm -hmm. if I say that, who am I going to have left? Who's my tribe? And, and so I think, you know, just being open. Um, about about non-belief lets people know that hey you know you can come to us you don't have to you know you don't you don't have to be alone in in in, in your unbelief so in a nutshell do you have any other siblings or anything that you grew up with or were you an only child oh no siblings um giant family where i have i i don't know how many cousins i have i got a ton <laughs> <laughs> so a lot, a lot of family growing up you know um some of them who are are born again they they really responded negatively um a lot didn't and uh, you know mostly the ones of the family who was catholic had a a much more measured response to me talking about these issues and you know um 
I think one good thing is the Catholic Church has accepted publicly the veracity of natural selection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a start. Yeah. So, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. So tell us a little bit more about the premise of the book. So the, 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 the subtitle, I think, is very important, and it is The Psychology of Religious Violence and Oppression. And that's what the whole book attempts to explain. And, you know, the idea is that across the world's religions, we have, uh, we, we have gods who are described as having um, resplendent powers that human beings don't have, like being omnipotent, having ultimate power, being omniscient, knowing everything, um, being immaterial, like not, not having a bodily form like you or I, and being everlasting, like n- never dying. Um, yet this God is described as being immensely territorial, very interested in submission displays by his subordinates and being male, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and being sexually controlling. So, you know, this idea that, that, uh, we created our gods in our own image is not new to me. That's been around for, for millennia. But, uh, the book te- attempts to explain, you know, where, where did this come from? Where do these projections come from? They come from our primate ancestry. They come from men and men are biological creatures who, who need territory, who need um, you know, sex for, for reproduction and food to eat and things like that, and uh, who establish themselves among the primate hierarchy. An immaterial god shouldn't really care about these things, uh, nor should a god who has ultimate power and never dies. But this god is, is reported to be immensely interested in all these very human-like concerns. Mm. So um, that's what it's about, and, and, and everything else kind of follows that. And it's, it's, it's more confusing even, at least for me that, that not, not, sorry, this is Matt, but, uh, not only would the, would a supposedly perfect God possess these clear deficits to uh, his personality, but there's, that there's almost a demand that his followers behave in, uh, terrible ways to other people as well. Um, I mean, what, I mean, clearly he's not real. Uh, right. Or, but um, what are you talking about, Matt? <laughs> but I mean, so so this is just an extension of 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 uh, hu- human apes, you know, sort of projecting their d- desires and personality traits um, like these are the biggest, best qualities or the things I fear most. Right. And they lump all of that into the God. Is that is that kind of what you're saying on that? Well, yeah, I think you I think you you you. You hit it right there. I mean, gods don't engage in crusades or or steering airplanes into buildings or on jihad or blowing themselves up. You know, gods don't engage in that. Men do. And men follow their evolutionary imperatives into those kinds of behaviors, um, citing their god as inspiration, saying, saying this male deity wants this uh, for them and for the tribe. So, um, you know, God in many ways is seen as the headman of the tribe and protecting only that in group, you know, much, much like, like we would see, in, you know, among hunter gatherers. 
Um, so, so yeah, yeah. Gods, gods don't, don't do any of these things. Men do. Right. Which is kind of interesting because when you think about how, uh, Abrahamic religions came from a originally polytheistic way of thinking and you had the pantheon of gods that were out there and for some reason El Shaddai got picked as the, the one that won among everybody else. We have the war God of the Bible. Well, actually not the Bible. It's pri prior to that. Um, it's kind of interesting that you see a lot of the uh, polytheistic religions in the past where they didn't quite seem to have as much of a violent streak as the the nations that have sprung up underneath the Abrahamic religions like Judaism, uh, Christianity, and of course Islam. But it's just kind of interesting that when you had multiple gods that were able to have some power, but not the consolidation of all power, that it seemed to be kind of okay that you could pick and choose which god you wanted to have to believe in but once we had the one true god and he had all of the omnipresence omniscient omnibenevolent whatever the hell all, all the omnis that Omnimax, you give him, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden um, we've got the super big fucking villain you know <laughs> it's just it seems really interesting to me i mean i could be speaking completely out of my ass on this because i'm not a expert on polytheistic cultures in the the times past but it just doesn't seem like you have the same kind of violence that have risen out of having a monotheism versus a poly. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, well, what's interesting to me too, is that, um, even in polytheistic religions, there's always the a dumb God, yeah. God and he's usually male and he usually kind of presides over the other gods. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, I think what happened a lot in the, in the fertile crescent as, as populations became, became expanding and, and, you know, tribal groups started growing and competing with one another is that there was a need to consolidate all the deities. So to, to, to sort of cement tribal identity into one identity. And that's, and that's what uh, Robert Wright talks about so clearly in his book, The Evolution of God, which I cite a lot in my first chapter. So, um, you know, there was a need for that. And the need, the need was to, you know, it, it, there was a martial purpose for all of this. So you, you you have a masculine emphasis on on a lot of what you talk about. Um, what what's what's the reason? I mean, we know what the reason is, but I, I just <laughs> want to say, like you've 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 emphasized that a lot during this conversation. So for the sake of our listeners, um, you're not just picking on men for no reason. Yes, I'm picking on men. Definitely. <laughs> uh, to be honest, we've 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 earned it. Well, you're picking on you're picking on men, but it is for good reason. I would say. <laughs> Well, look, what I, what I always like to tell people who may not be incredibly versed in the evolutionary sciences is to be aware of, of, of what is known as the naturalistic fallacy. And what that is, it's an error in thinking such that just because something is arrived at through biological means, through genetic means, doesn't mean that it's desirable, doesn't mean that it's necessarily moral or that it's inevitable because it's often none of those things. So just because we may have a tendency for something, um, it doesn't mean that it's a foregone conclusion that we can't avoid it. And, um, as a matter of fact, I would argue that, you know, if we're, if we're more aware of where these things like violence and oppression come from, uh, the ultimate source, if we're more aware, the more knowledge we have, the better, not the less able we are to, to resist them and to make better choices. Um, but, you know, the, the truth remains that, that uh, 
you know, being male, you know, is, is a huge predictor of violence. You can look at all kinds of different predictors, poverty, um, geography, politics, but, but, uh, you know, the male sex is, is clearly exponentially more violent than, than, than women. So, um, we kind of have a responsibility then to look at look at men and say, okay, where where does this ultimately come from? And that's what I try to do in this book in the context of religion. Now, just for the sake of conversation, I happen to have a, a whole lot of trans friends that are out there. Would you attribute the the violence? I mean, not so much just a toxic masculinity that there is. Could it be tied to testosterone or chromosomal, or is it just mainly societal or culturally based? Where the violence I, I think it's all of these things, you know, okay. but, but definitely there's a clear link between testosterone and aggression. And Absolutely. what I, what I really point out in this book, and I think this is important for any understanding of, of violence of any kind, uh, between men is that like other species, men compete for mates. There's all kinds of reasons that, that um, men have to compete for mates, and, and usually because the ratio of sexually available um, women and, and, and sexually available men is skewed. So, you know, reproductive resources, which all animals compete for, they're limited in females compared to males. To the, so in, in humans, it's limited to the span between adolescence and menopause, by pregnancy, by practices like polygyny, where one man gets access to you know, numerous wives and the other men may not have access. Um, things like divorced men remarry more than divorced women, and they tend to remarry younger. So, so in other words, they trade in for fertile females. Tony Randall. <laughs> <laughs> right. We can think of endless examples. Yeah. Um, but the point is, you know, um, like other like other animals, when there's a scarcity we compete for those scarcities and and so behind warfare behind violence whether religious political or or or, or otherwise make competitions at the heart of that and you asked about testosterone um one thing that i find very interesting is that the peak years um for violence in males also coincides to their their pink their peak sexual years when when mm when their sexual energy is at its highest and their testosterone is at its highest, you know, something like 18 to 20, 25, something like that. I was going to say nobody in this room then. <laughs> Not in this room. <laughs> hmm. no, no. I don't know. You can't grow a beard like that without a lot of testosterone, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. Huh? What does it say about my testosterone if my penis is shaped like a rubber ducky? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that just means you're a beta cuck. That's all that means. Oh, dang. I <laughs> may say more about your genome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny that you said, you said beta cuck because uh, you actually mentioned the word cuck and cuckold, mm. and, and it's I, I learned the origin of that word through reading your book. I'd never... I'd never like I knew the I knew what cuckold was in modern parlance, but I wasn't sure what the etymology of it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from the cuckoo bird, it lays eggs in 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 other species' nests, and it kind of suckers the 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 resident birds into caring for an offspring that isn't theirs. And um, for men, that's a very dangerous proposition because you know, especially in the lives of our ancestors. 
caring for a child, getting resources is risky and takes a lot of time and energy. So, you know, even worse than not reproducing is spending all that energy and taking all that risk, raising a child that's not yours. So before we had such a thing as contraception, that was a real serious concern. And, um, you know, that concern is behind a lot of the sexually controlling behaviors of men and has this crazy way of eking itself into, 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 into the legal realm, into, into law and government. Uh, up until 1973, I think it was, or 72 in Texas, it was legal to murder your wife if you caught her cheating on you. Holy shit. And that that is born directly out of the fear of being cuckolded. Yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me, actually. But I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, shouldn't surprise you. But at the same yeah, time, but, it's like you think about how we think we're these species that have moved on from that kind of thing. And it's just like, fuck, it's such a short history into the past when yeah. you had overt racism and overt murder for sh- shit like that. It's it's crazy. Hmm. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, how do we understand that? Well, there's no clearer way to understand that than, than to look at, at this very ancient biological concern. And and the thing is that, that, you know, secular law and religious law, who makes those laws? Well, well men typically do. And they, they usually make those laws to serve their evolutionary interests. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in, in, in Islamic cultures, it's, it's legal to do all kinds of things to, to, to your mate to prevent her from, from straying, you know, to keep her locked up. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, the whole idea behind swathing women in burqas and things like that is, is so, you know, to prevent tempting her or tempting other men to her and, and, you know, potentially, uh, becoming cuckolded, you know. Yeah, the same could be said about like a FGM that they do to their ladies over there. It's mm-hmm. to to remove all pleasure from the act of child rearing, you know. You bet. And and that very concern spills over into um, to the fascination with virginity that we see across the world. I mean, um, that's the thing, you know. Virgins, by definition, come free from the genes of of your rivals. Um, so across religions, there's been this fascination with, with virginity, like the Incan sun gods had virgins dedicated to them. The fathers of, of, of Jesus and and Krishna of Hinduism, they preferred virgins, right? Hmm. Um, uh, in Paul, it's, it, it, it says, uh, you know, for I have espoused to you one husband that may I, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So Paul, at least for Paul, Christ uh, expects virgins. So why would, why would, uh, why would our gods want that? Why would men want that? Because God That's wants what men want. <laughs> right. That's what men want. <laughs> Hi, this is David Silverman, president of American Atheists. Join us at www.atheists.org. And you are listening to the Godless Revolution. I just wish you could at least pretend to support me. I support you every single day, honey. I pray for you. Yeah, what do you say? I say, dear Heavenly Father, please protect my Bridget. She's a little lost. She's like a sheep. Please guide I'm her towards... Okay, I'm a sheep. You're a beautiful sheep, Bridget. I didn't say you were a pig. I'd rather be a pig. Than a sheep? Yeah, because pigs are smart. Yeah, well, you know what? what? Sheeps, Sheeps can make clothing. Pigs can only make bacon, and Jewish people don't even eat that. 
<sighs> Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Yeah, I was I was curious about that. You just said that men want women who are virgins because then they're not contaminated by the genes of their enemies, right? But typically when those females were captured and you know, when they would go into a city and and in the Bible it talks about, you know, go into the city and kill everyone, say except for the virgins and keep them for yourselves. Uh but wouldn't they have at least some of the genes of their enemies, right? They they may not have been quote unquote contaminated by the seed of their enemies, but they would still have their genetic information, right? Well, I, I don't think the concern is about that as much as like um like caring for another man's offspring, which would contain none of your genes, right? If you mate with, with your enemies, females, your offspring has half of your genes as opposed to none. So it's more <laughs> about siring than anything. Right. Else. Yeah. So it was more about whether those, whether those females had potentially born any children. And of course, yeah. virgins, unless you're, mm-hmm. unless you're Mary <laughs> and unless you're Mary and you don't follow Mormon theology, then, <laughs> then you would still be a virgin. Which that story is still dubious at best. <laughs> I I also like how you included a lot of Mormon theology in your book. Oh, because we're in Utah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in Jacob it says, "For I, I the Lord God, del- delight in the chastity of women, and whoredoms are an abomination before me." So that's mm-hmm. saith the Lord of hosts. That's in Jacob. So, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a common theme across across religions that have been separated by you know even even religions that had little contact with one another across across the millennia. There's a fascination with virgins, and it's it's very old, you know, and and all of this gets projected onto God, and that's the thing, you know. Um, so God has this fascination for virgins that He passes on to His representatives on Earth, um, but you know. The thing is, an omniscient God would already know if a child is his, and a, an omnipotent God wouldn't really care, right? Mm-hmm. He can produce with as many women as he wants, presumably without you know incurring a cost of any kind. Um, so it's it's clearly you know projecting our own primate concerns onto God, and 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 you know the main thing about this book is like a study of God and it is about masculinity and it is about like how this all came about the why that's the beauty of evolutionary science. It tells you the why the ultimate reasons. There's a lot of surface level reasons for, 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 for things, but um, evolutionary sciences really are good at describing the why. Mm -hmm. Can I take it in a slightly different angle? Um, What, what, what can you say about the psychology of a person who's uh, sort of proud to submit to such a character or or conversely people like me who resent that kind of behavior well um sure just i mean i mean it's it, it's always easier to observe other people than ourselves you know it's just one of those things we have greater insight into how other people think and to their biases and it's harder to see those things in ourselves and so so we can extend that to to just looking at at other species. Sometimes when you see something in other species, it's like, ah, okay, um, 
that's where it comes from. Um, you know, if if you're in a if you're in a chimpanzee troop, and there's a member of this of this troop that has a lot of power, that's strong, that has access to mates, um, you're going to want to ally yourself with them. So a lot of the submitting to God, you know, is 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 based on the need for for to ally ourselves with more dominant individuals. Um, you know, mating opportunities, for example, in the chimpanzee troop correlate to how close you are to the dominant male on the hierarchy. So there's benefits to that. And, you know, there's also the benefits of, of protection. And one of the chapters I, I talk about, you know, that's, that's a pool for a, a big, large, aggressive male god is that, you know, we've just like the pool to large, aggressive uh, uh, men. We, we seek that kind of the comfort that those men can provide uh, in our deities. So as, as just a couple ways to, to answer your question. Hmm. What, what seems strange to me about that, that notion is, you know, on, on the one hand, we're arguing for the idea that, uh, the, the God of the Abrahamic religions is this powerful protector God who will always be there. Who's our, you know, heavenly father for the Mormons. Um, somebody who's this authoritarian figure in our lives who will always be there to protect us, but bad things happen to religious people all the time, right? Just as they do, just as much as they do to anybody else. What is it about an appeal to a protector God when we can see that the results don't match up with that expectation? I, 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 I'm curious to know why more people don't realize, hey, you know, shitty things happen to me all the time. God hasn't been there to protect me from anything and everything. Why do I still think that there's this invisible protector being up in the sky who's looking out for me all the time? I don't, I don't, I don't understand why more people don't see that disconnect. He's a mysterious monkey, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> he works in mysterious monkey ways. <laughs> Yes, he does. You know that is that is a terrific question, and you know when you when you really think about what it means to be human, it's a terrifying experience. We have we have such a, a an enormous understanding of self compared to other animals, and and with that sense of self, and our ability to understand. You know, to project ourselves into the future, we're aware of our own death, probably unlike any other animals. And that's a that's a really terrifying, existentially terrifying position to be in. So, you know, we create gods in an, in an attempt to to mitigate that that terror. And and this is something that has been studied a lot in in, in the research lab, um, and theoretically, but but. Uh, yeah, it's it is it is kind of bizarre because because fear co-ops reason a lot. You know, fear takes over reason so much in our lives. Not only not only in religions, but politics and everything else. Um, if there's if there's anything that I think should be a standard part of public education is uh, is understanding the cognitive biases that come out of that. There's there's one called motivated reasoning. Where, you know, people have a, a tendency to jettison or deflect information just to just to ignore it, 
to soothe their fear. And we can we can really pick this apart in the research lab. You know, when there's when there's a sense of fear, people will ignore information, and um, that is, that is 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 a pretty pretty motivated reasoning is is, is incredibly strong, I think, in in, in religions and in exactly the you know the kind of situations you just described. I mean, I mean, it it does seem bizarre, you know, when when if you're, you're talking about an omnipotent care, you know, presumably caring God to pray for victims of a hurricane, right? Or, or pray for somebody who has cancer. Well, you know, the question that I think a lot of secularists come up with is, well, why, why didn't this God say stop in the first place if he yeah. was there watching and caring in the first place? But it gives the people a sense of control, I guess. Well, and why would you have to pray to this God if you also believe that he has a plan in place? You know, that he's always right, he knows everything, and has a plan in place, what good would your prayers do for such a being? I mean, you're you're asking that being to change their entire plan for you, one lone little human. And Yeah, right. And, so most of these most of these gods are described as being perfect. Well, if he can be swayed, he can be made to change his decisions, is he perfect? But that's that's the kind of of logical inconsistencies that just get bypassed as a as a means to assuage fear. You know, if you just ignore it, you make yourself feel better. Or maybe it was his plan all along to change his mind for your prayer, <laughs> and he was just waiting. Or and maybe, I, what if I what if I didn't pray? Well, but you, then he knew that I was going to pray yeah, anyway. Exactly. Like that that that's you the just kind end up going do, in circles yeah. all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah, yeah, it's just God works sure, up Doctor Who logic. He can yeah. only he can only fix certain things. He can't fix fix points in time. He can only fix the small things. You know? <laughs> Why would you have to pray if he's omniscient? Because he already knows what you think, right? Yeah, that that gets back to the whole the whole submitting thing, right? There's a, there's an there's an act a performance he expects of you that doesn't serve any function other than purely to show that that he's dominant. Absolutely, and and. One of the things I, I try to explain is, you know, the 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 quality of of making these sacrifices, you know. So, across religions, Lent, Ramadan, you surrender sex, you surrender food. An omnipotent God doesn't need sex or food, right? You know, or burnt offerings. But, but or dominant <laughs> males do, right? Dominant if you if you. If you watch monkeys in the monkey troop, you know, the, the, the dominant male and sometimes the dominant female, depending on what species we're talking about, gets preferential access to all these things, preferential, preferential access to, to food and, and to mates and to sex. And the subordinates steer clear of those resources. So, you know, when, when people sent, send burnt offerings up to the heavens or, 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 or fast or abstain from sex, it's intuitive to the primate brain. But when you pick this apart, it's like, oh yeah, of course, you know, of course, this isn't this isn't consistent with the with an everlasting all-powerful being. It's consistent with with the alpha male of the primate troop. And why wouldn't you want to kiss Hank's ass? I mean, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar with the with the kissing <laughs> Hank's ass video and, and script? No, I'm not. Oh. 
Oh, inside joke. <laughs> well, you'll have to you'll have to go and and look for it on YouTube. It's just called "Kissing Hank's Ass," and it's basically uh, an analogy of there's there's a guy in town named Hank, and you need to kiss his ass. If you don't kiss his ass, he's gonna he's going to kick the shit out of you. <laughs> and if you do kiss his ass, then when you die, or not when you die, but when you leave town, he'll give you a million dollars. But you can't leave town until he tells you to leave town. <laughs> it's this it's this really God, it's great. Yeah, it's this really <laughs> great analogy of basically God worship. Wow. Who knew God's name was Hank? Yeah, and it's kind of placed <laughs> in this whole alpha male way of, you know, uh having somebody in town that's an alpha that you have to do what he says, otherwise you get your ass kicked. So Yeah. Well, you know. It applies, yeah. <laughs> you know, I could geek out on this all day, obviously, but it's the the act of kissing. You know, that's also that's also a submission display. And uh, well, better you know, stop that. <laughs> right, right. You know, it, no, it's please keep doing respect. it. Chris. Oh, Dan, Matt, sorry, guys. No, so <laughs> uh, I do, I do talk about the the how beards are a dominus display, but. Um, but but back to kissing, you know, that <laughs> lip smacking noise. It's it's intended to 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 emulate a suckling infant, you know, and it's really? saying, "Look, I'm a, I'm a child. I'm 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 dependent. I'm suckling." Um, God damn it! <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it it serves a lot of purposes, but but certainly, you know, what do you do when you want to show somebody deference? You kiss their hands or their feet, as as you see in the Bible. Um, you kiss the Pope's ring. It's not a it's not a, a gesture of dominance. Right. So so what do you make of like all of that stuff you just mentioned disgusts me. I would never do any of that stuff. I hardly even kiss my wife. <laughs> I mean almost never. I'm I'm also not a very sexual person, but that's I mean that is relevant to this particular conversation. Um but all all of that stuff like I that so so where do i fit into this whole thing or people like me who are just looking at this like kind of confused and sort of disgusted and and uh, i none of that makes sense to me i mean what you're saying makes perfect sense but why people would do that why they would supplicate themselves yeah, and subjugate yeah. themselves or and- why do i have such an aversion if it's if it's connected to our biology well, I, I, I think free thinkers generally are more probably more prone to just challenging the hierarchy, right? You have to. You have to, to think to think clearly and freely, uh, because those at the top of the hierarchy are often in the business of controlling what everybody beneath them thinks. So I, I think there's, you know, who knows, maybe it's maybe it's self selected for in some way. But uh, you know, I obviously agree with you. I'm obviously not one of those who feels comfortable. Sure. You know, with that level of supplication. Um, Can I add another step to that? Uh, so when when I look at like the at least currently the uh, Republican Party, um, and we're all Tea Partiers here, right? I mean, <laughs> so, no, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the but the the Republicans are more of the chest thumping, uh, you know, hawkish. Um, 
you know, testosterone driven kind of party, but they're also the ones that are a lot more willing to do these kinds of things to, to they're, they're connected to the, the religious right, this, you know, proud, you know, worshiping and proud of their chains, uh, connected to Jesus and all that. It seems like such a contradiction, this juxtaposition of, of, of I'm independent and strong and caretaker and pull myself up by my bootstraps. And then Beg to God. And then I'm on my knees every morning and that's how I'm, you know, and brag about, uh, being a a surf to God. And it's, it's so strange. I think one just only has to look at how, when Trump won the election, how everybody that was against him all of a sudden dropped to their knees and were supplicating at the feet of the Trump. And just, it's interesting to me that they were, did you call him the Trump? Hate that guy. Yeah. He's the Trump. (laughs) Hate that guy. Oh, but he's the, he's the guy now. Fuck. Okay. We love you, Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, you, you guys are going to like my next book. I, I, I'm almost done with it. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned that to you. I must have forgotten that. Um, oh, please I'm, do. Um, I'm effectively done with a, a, a second book that's, that's looking at this very question, just looking at, you know, how, how did we – why do we have political parties? Where does this come from? And there, there's some really interesting research um, on this topic, and which I'm I'm expanding upon, kind of along the same lines. And 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 all this stuff falls on a natural curve. And and you know, those on the political right tend to be way more tribalistic. Hmm. We all have our tribes. It's not to say that the you know that the left doesn't have its its it, you know its tribal orientations, but there's a greatest share of that on the, on the right. And, 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 you know, that came out of a very warlike past that, that our ancestors lived through. Um, one of the things about, about, uh, about competition between groups is that having a well-defined leader that calls the shots and having a hierarchy is critical for that. Just that's how the military is structured. Mm. Um, those groups that couldn't coordinate that way, they just wouldn't, they just, they just wouldn't survive on the battlefield. Um, as, as one very, you know, overly simplistic way of describing kind of how, how that look up to the alpha male, uh, became selected for and in our evolutionary past and, and now gets kind of expressed through political orientation. This is Dr. Dan, Matt's boss from the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast, and you are listening to the Godless Revolution. Oh shit, did I say revolution? I mean revolution. Bloody Americans fucking up the language. You can edit that, right Spike? I look like I belong on Duck Dynasty. No. That's kind of cool. Yeah. No, it's not. They're famously racist. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. I'm going to go on a little bit of a sidecar here, which is kind of interesting when you're talking about people on the right and picking the alphas and stuff. It's, it's amazing to me. I, f- I happen to follow a lot of the alt-right stuff that's going on in the world. And their new poster boy is, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Peterson. I can't remember his first name. Jordan B. Jordan B. Peterson. <laughs> this relatively obscure Canadian psychologist that just got plucked out of obscurity. And all of a sudden, he's like the $70,000 a month on Patreon telling all the people on the right how they should think, how they should feel, how they should act and stuff. And it's it's really interesting to me that these that out of nowhere, all of a sudden people have this rallying figure, this this daddy to go to. And it's just it's really fascinating. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> you know, it fits seamlessly into people like him or people like Donald Trump. You know, I uh, I wrote a piece in Psychology Today about you know why Donald. You know, it's it's he he acts like a dominant ape, and those predisposed to seek comfort, seek inspiration from those types. It, it, their psychology is ready made for that, and they glom onto that. He definitely bears the big red baboon. Yeah, he, he time, looks so. uh, he looks rather like a male orangutan. <laughs> he does. He does. And he does. that handshake—that's clearly a dominant thing, right? That's oh, yeah. so 1980s businessman power handshake bullshit that he does. Yeah. And his my tie is longer than your tie, therefore I'm the alpha male. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although it's just in his case, it's just so blatant and so simple. Yeah. That's the part that I think, you know, really offends most of the world. <laughs> well, one of the yeah. one of the themes that you refer to several times in the book is this notion of uh of dominance and prestige or dominance versus prestige. And by prestige, I took that to mean uh people who are more learned, more educated, more aware of the world around them versus somebody who exhibits patterns of dominance and comes in as an authoritarian. And so I, the three of us here in the studio are very politically minded and we're all very liberal. And so when I, when I see you referring to that over and over and over again, of course, the, the orangutan, the orangutan in the Oval Office is what instantly springs to mind. But your book, primarily talks about George Bush and I'm sure that's just because of the timing of when it was written and and released um and I've noticed too that among those who seem to have a preference for dominant authoritarian figures they are all not all but primarily they're on the right you know they're they're on the right side of the spectrum they're very religious uh they they do a lot of chest thumping themselves and seem to think of themselves as dominant and alpha males in so many ways, yet they, yet they subjugate themselves to a higher power. How, how do you think that plays out with in, or how do you think that plays out in politics? Is that, is that reflective of the politics that we see today? Oh, you could just overlay a lot of, a lot of these concepts from religion into politics, you know, the, and, 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 you know, they're just like religious hierarchies, you know, politics are, are the primate dominance hierarchy. But, but one interesting line of research um, that's, that's been replicated over and over and over is, is that finding that um, conservatives tend to be way more xenophobic, way more afraid of outsiders. And, you know, all this falls on a natural curve. So, you know, to a certain extent, there are advantages to being wary of outsiders in our evolutionary past, which was far, far, far more violent mm -hmm. than it is today. Um, uh, there are advantages to to being open to to the to the to the neighboring tribe, and that's how this this uh, spectrum, this political spectrum, you know, maps onto the to the natural curve. But but that's a that's a really common finding, and there's even uh, a literature showing that. Um, that conservatives tend to be more germ phobic and and that is another reason to avoid to avoid outsiders especially you know it's it's hard to conceive of that when we have freely available 
or, or cheaply available vaccines um, and that are that are really good at eradicating disease. We didn't have that back in our days as hunter gatherers. Mm-hmm. So avoiding the rival tribe that often carries pathogens that you don't have a, a resistance to that served a purpose. The question is, how much does it serve us now in this modern age of technology? Hmm. No dirty hippies on the in the alt right. <laughs> well, I mean, have you guys seen the the study that came out a couple of weeks ago, where a lot of the people that are conservative minded, uh, and this could be just complete bunk science for all I know, but there was a study that well, came. I'm glad out. you're bringing it up. Well, no, so it was interesting <laughs> to me because it kind of makes sense when he's talking about people being xenophobic. Is that a lot of the people that are super conservatives are afraid a lot of the time. Got to build that wall. Oh, yeah, they're fearful. Yeah, yeah, and so. It just seems interesting to me that a lot of this is tied into that lizard brain of ours where we're just fight or flight most of the time on keeping the outsider out. And and a lot of us are like, well, the world's better because we're letting the outsider in. But Yeah, yeah. You know, Republicans are more lizard brain, as you say it. You know, I mean, there's definitely it, it ha- you know, there there's been some really fascinating research looking at just the size of the amygdala. The amygdala is That's is a. It's a brain structure that produces fear and aggression, and and conservatives have a larger amygdala than than liberals, so it's an adaptation to threat, you know. But if you if you read, you know, books like like Steven Pinker's book um, Better Angels of Our Nature, it, it which crunches a huge amount of of data, we've been getting more and more and more peaceable since our days as hunter gatherers. It may not seem like it because we're also we're also inundated with more information than any time in our history. Right. So if something bad happens across the world, everybody knows about it. Yeah, it's like Trump wanting to send the National Guard to the border, even though the crossings are a lot less than they've ever been <laughs> when it comes to illegal immigrants and stuff. And it's, it's that is the hook that that is used to manipulate us, right? Just just wave that red cape and and. Uh, and say there's an enemy out there, and and that's how that's how that's how we get manipulated because the fear brain kicks in and and it bypasses the the, the reasoning parts of our brain, so it's dangerous. Yeah, another thing, getting back into politics and uh, the the effect that we see in politics, you know, around a lot of the concepts that you discuss in the book, I've noticed. I'm guessing you guys have also that atheism trends toward a more liberal population, right? Most most atheists, I would say the overwhelming majority of atheists who are out and open and activist are very liberal. And the few conservative atheists that I've that I've encountered all seem to want to have an authoritarian atheist source right they'll look to some some other person within the atheist movement as like the atheist leader and they'll they'll parrot everything that person says they do everything that person says they agree with them 100% until they don't until they have one little disagreement with them and then that person becomes the world's biggest asshole right that's it's it's almost as if their god has betrayed them and now they need to lash out at that at that God that, or, or that person that they've put on a God pedestal. I don't know if you've noticed anything similar to that. Well, I, I, I think the, the tendency to deify leaders, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating. And, uh, 
I, I do think that's more, I mean, there's a lot of evidence to show that that's more, that's more concentrated on, on, on the right, you know, after, after World War II, a, a, an army of scientists began to, to study, you know, how, how did this all happen? How did Hitler happen? And um, one of the things that, that, that was developed was a, was a measure called right-wing authoritarianism, where you, where you do look up to, the, to, to authority and to the dominance hierarchy, and you obey it more. Conservatives clearly, um, you know, they, they score higher on these measures. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure, I'm sure even, even people who are, are more on the right wing among free thinkers, you probably see that look. <laughs> so one of the other things that I've noticed is that because a lot of, because most atheists I know are very liberal. Yeah. And most of them, you know, left, they, they never, they never have any desire to have an authoritarian telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that has resulted in a lot of schisms because they'll, they'll see somebody who's thought of as a thought leader within the community. And if they say something that doesn't align with, you know, what they think as a perfect representative of the atheist community, they're very quick to call them out. And that causes all kinds of schisms and problems. And not that that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think it's good to have those dialogues and discussions. But I think it also seems to be a consequence of prestige versus dominance and liberalism versus conservatism. Yeah, that's that's really an interesting. That's really an interesting point, you know. And 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 in many ways, free thinkers, secularists, atheists are are kind of the anti-tribalists right so we're, we're you know not as ready to fall in line with group consensus you know question question things but does that limit us does that limit our growth you know can we can we can we find a way to create the anti-tribe <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> can we grow in numbers without without you know rejecting the group like like free thinkers are, are i think more prone to do but yeah you know we're all tribalists though we all we all have that tendency to to a greater or lesser extent so i don't know yeah i think one of the one of the things that i find depressing about that is that i see i see way too many people rejecting the good in favor of the perfect that we'll never reach right they they're very quick to cast aside or disparage somebody who for for what I view as sometimes minor infractions and that I'm not talking about things like sexual harassment within the community or 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 anything grievous and terrible that you should absolutely be ostracized for but I'm talking about minor points of disagreement on on various issues where it seems that for a large part of the population or a large part of the atheist community we can't even have those conversations um, Surely you're not suggesting liberals are slightly more idealistic. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually. That's and and I mean that's a good thing, but it can also be a problem in situations like that. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, there, there there's there, you know liberals have we have our blind spots too. I mean, I I consider myself pretty um, politically liberal, but you know we all have our blind spots. Yeah. Um. It's that goddamn testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of testosterone uh, and and needing it for beards, 
so because I haven't gotten to the the chapter about beards, um, not that I want you to spoil it for me, but please spoil it for me. Tell me a little um, bit. Tell me a little but, bit more about that. Well, so so um, and I should note that I noticed that at the American uh, Atheists Convention, you were clean shaven. Oh, I God. was clean shaven. <laughs> Are we all three of us oppressing women with their facial hair? <laughs> I, I do variously grow and shave my beard or goatee or whatever. But now my beard's got all kinds of gray in it. So I don't know. Somebody told me that I lost 20 years by shaving. So I kind of kept it off. Oh. I just got uh, in. So, so beards. Yeah. You know, in the animal world, being being bigger has its advantages, right? In the, in the physical plane. Um, there are a lot of animals who, who develop adaptations to feign larger size. Like there's this cool lizard called the frill neck lizard that has these flaps that flare out when it's threatened. Have you guys ever seen that? Like on nature mm -hmm. show or something like a Dilophosaurus. It, yeah. Jurassic park. <laughs> yeah. Like in Jurassic park, it flares out these flaps and it makes, if you're looking at it straight on, it makes its head look big. So, um, so a lot of mammals, like the male lion, for instance, has a big mane, makes his head look bigger. A lot of primates have various adaptations to, 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 to serve the same purpose. Um, these giant eyebrows or ear tufts or beards or like orangutans have these big fatty uh, facial pads on the side of their face. But, but this is usually concentrated in males and used for mate competition, right? Used to compete with other mates for dominance, for sexual dominance like horns on you you mentioned horns on elks and things like that hmm. yeah they're 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 selected for you know they, they go through a process of of sexual selection um does the which, which, does which, the feline pilo erection count in that where like or or in canines with the fur all gets you know when they're startled or something gets all puffed up and is that part of that same process I think it serves the same purpose. I mean, look at look at um, chimpanzees when when one is giving a dominance display. It just it fluffs all its hair out and it looks bigger. But there are some adaptations that are that are that that uh, you know men have too, and that's to grow a beard. If you look at somebody with a beard, it looks like the bottom of their jaw starts way lower. It makes their head look bigger, just like a male lion, just like any of these other animals. So the idea is to convey strength. Um, so, you know, not surprisingly, um, men in, along uh, the religious hierarchy tend to have big beards, you know, orthodox rabbis. Um, and we have taken that, that display into our own hands by wearing these massive head displays. Um, generals wear hats that are bigger than their subordinates. You know, it's, it's intended to look big and menacing and authoritative. Um, if you, if you guys ever seen the, the Pope's triple tiara, you know what that is? No. What's that? It's, it's the, well, it's a, it's this giant hat that the Pope wears. It's not intended to look, to be subtle. Oh, you know? okay. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I misheard you when you said Pope's tiara. I just imagined him winning some sort of beauty contest and having <laughs> this amazing tiara put on his head. <laughs> well, <laughs> It's way more ostentatious than that. And when, when they, during the papal coronation, 
I forget the exact words, but like, you know, you are the, the ruler of kings, ruler of the world. Take this, take this hat. That's what it connotes, you know. Hmm. And to show deference, what do we do? We remove our hats, right? Hmm. We remove our big head displays. So all these, all these adaptations get taken up by men on the religious hierarchy. And, and beards are, are meant to connote strength and power and intimidation. Which is interesting. You think about like the, the Amish communities or the Mennonite communities where there's the, the, the hate crime that happens sometimes where they chop off each other's beards. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's how they dominate one another. Uh, oh, yeah. You actually mentioned that in your book when, yeah. uh, when women would get out of line sometimes in the past, one of the punishments was to shave their hair off. Yeah, I think that has a different connotation for women because hair hair is more about I mean women is more about beauty, you know, the ability to grow long hair suggests health and fertility whereas, you know, chopping off your rival's beard that's that's pretty strongly a dominance, you know, a dominance play. And and ch- cutting off women's hair as well, but I think it has different implications, I think. So, tell us a little bit more about your next book. You said that it's based more on politics. This book, so yeah, you know, religion and politics are two things you're not supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about them both, and this next one is kind of taking some of the same concepts and and applying them to help us understand why we have political orientations. Why? What? What are these? Wh- what is the reason for all this stuff? Um, how does that result in us? you know, becoming divided along partisan lines, um, which is not, not new to the U S and what you've seen, uh, you know, with the election of 45, it's, it's something you see across, across cultures and across times. Um, so, you know, uh, Chris Matthews once said that, uh, that, uh, Republicans are the daddy party and, and Democrats are the mommy party. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's, I found that kind of interesting because evolutionarily, psychologically, that's, that's true in a lot of ways, you know, mm-hmm. uh, women and liberals tend to be more nurturing. They tend to be more interested in equality, um, uh, tend to have greater compassion and that's measurable. Um, whereas conservatives tend to be more male, male-like and interested in territory, interested in hierarchy, interested in competing with the outside groups, more xenophobic. So taking, taking this, you know, massive political machine and trying to, trying to, trying to bear some understanding down on it by, by looking, by observing it through an evolutionary lens. And that's what it's about. And I'm mainly saying this is a joke, but Chris Matthews, I mean, come on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. No, I'm, I'm messing with you. I like him. I, I think he, you know, he's right sometimes. Yeah, I think in this yeah. case that uh, that makes perfect sense. I, I've watched more of his show than I ever have Matto. I think because that's how I grew up. <laughs> yeah. So other people have said have said uh, uh, similar things. So, um, oh, um, what is that woman's name? That kind of raging right wing, long blonde hair. I'm Tommy Lauren. Told- no, yeah. you, uh, Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter is who Ann I would. Ann Coulter. Yeah. yeah, sorry. That's who I was uh, gonna like. Yeah, that Laura word. Ingram. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. Any female on pop on Fox News? I mean, <laughs> right, 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 right. But 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 you guessed Ann Coulter, second person. So um, <laughs> uh, 
she said, she once said, um, I'm more of a man than any liberal, you know? Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, whatever we think about those two people, I mean, they've made some observations that are really, I mean, this is coming from, you know, from, from the popular media, not necessarily from scholars, but it's, it's really telling. And so what I'm doing is just unpackaging all this and, and, and seeing if, and explaining why it's actually a lot more accurate than you might think. I think that sounds fascinating. I'll definitely pick up a copy when it comes out. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely love to have you back on the show after that book comes out and after I've read the whole thing, and then I'll send you an invite to come on the show. <laughs> but well, I we can, may, we'll just talk about the parts that you hadn't read yet. <laughs> it would just be like a three hour long show. It's cool. <laughs> I like talking with you guys. You're cool guys. Oh, thanks. Well, thank you very much. And thank you very much, very much for coming on the show. I, like I said, I have not finished the book yet, but I'm absolutely loving everything that I've read so far. And I'm sure I'm going to post a glowing review of it uh, here in the next few days after I've completed it, because it's like, I'm guessing that you've run into it before where you've come on somebody's show and they obviously haven't read the entire book and they have you on the show and they probably will never finish it. But I, I don't know why they would do that with your book because it's fucking fantastic. Like, Honestly, from the first chapter, those very first few pages, I was like, well, I have to read this whole fucking thing. Like, I, I have a hard time putting it down and have lost some sleep over the last couple of days just because I wanted to keep reading it. Not just because we were having you on the show, but because it's a really fascinating, really interesting take on things that has changed how I view a lot of things in the world. Does this type of kissing count as submission behavior? <laughs> now, listen, we're a bunch of thinking atheists here. We've, we've read some of this book, so. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you. You know, like reading based insomnia is a huge compliment, apparently. So that's, <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, it's all about, it's all about, you know, the, I find it so rewarding just to convene with other curious minds and to share this. I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose for writing. So it's, um, no, I really enjoyed talking with you guys. It's it's a pleasure. Well, it thank helps, you so much. Yeah, you know, doing so helps me um, shape helps shape my own thinking too. So it's good. Oh, great. Yeah, this has been awesome. So, for our listeners in the audience who want to learn more about this and more about you, where would you recommend that they go and look? Um, you can go to hector-garcia.com and and it's a you know relatively up to date list of some of the things that I'm doing. My TED talk, my you know, my book and some, you know, research articles that I do because I also do some some hard science. And um, yeah, that's that's probably the best place. Well, Dr. Garcia, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. What a super nice guy. Asu, he is really, really nice. This is Phil Ferguson of the cleverly titled The Phil Ferguson Show. And thank God you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Hello, ma'am. My goodness, you have such an attractive little garden here. Oh, thank you, young man. I just planted those flowers last week. My, how they grow. Yes, ma'am. We're from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, the Mormons. That's right. I'm, I'm Elder Young, and this is Elder White. Well, you two boys can just buck right off. Ma'am? Ma you heard me. Take that Book of Mormon and shove it so far up your righteous asses that you choke, you soul-soliciting pig fuckers. 
gosh. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. What have you got for us this evening, Matt? I have a little story about, well, it's not really about Easter, but it happened on Easter. Oh, yeah? April Fool's Day? Was, yeah, it, yes. April, was it Easter this year Just or? Like your guys' mm-hmm. in years episode. Past. Thirteen oh. minutes of Ryan Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh I guess we sh- I guess we have to acknowledge that now. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> oh wait, what are you talking about? I have no <laughs> shit. My bad. I want. <laughs> I I was I I really was hoping to somehow get his to get Ryan's reaction to uh-huh. it. Like I I really wanted to contact Sarah to see if she could just record him. While he listened to it or something, but then I was like, ah, I don't want to give it away, and it ends up that Mrs. Duffy gave it away anyway and contacted him, like, this show's only 13 minutes, and then Ryan contacted me wondering what was wrong. It was just, it's going to be fun next week when he's on the show with us <laughs> and we can talk about it more, because, yeah, it was. I had a lot of fun with that. That was funny. <laughs> it makes me giggle just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, an argument over religion on Easter Sunday allegedly prompted a Chicago man to pull a handgun on two people at a Hempfield Township apartment building that led to a standoff with state police that lasted more than six hours. Hempfield? Yes. And he, uh, he's in the wrong town. Antoine D. Drew was arraigned Monday before Hempfield District Judge Mark Mansour. <laughs> That's what it says. Mansour. Have you licked him? I mean, I, on multiple <laughs> criminal charges of aggravated assault, illegal possession of a firearm by a felon, making terroristic threats, simple assault, and reckless endangerment in connection with the incident at the Hemphill Heights apartment complex. Mansour ordered Drew held in the Westmoreland County Prison on a $100,000 bond. Drew was at his girlfriend's apartment on West Hills Drive along with the girlfriend's mother and the mother's boyfriend, who were visiting from Virginia, Trooper Joseph Laricia reported in an affidavit of prob- probable cause. Um, while the girlfriend was at work, the two men got into an argument over religion about 10.30 p.m. Sunday. Drew pulled out a silver and black weapon that police later determined was a three eighty caliber handgun. Drew began to yell at the two visitors to get out of the apartment. The two feared for their lives, with Drew waving and pointing a pistol at them and left. They called 911 and the state police responded. When troopers arrived, Drew refused multiple requests to surrender. Drew explained there's no way he was going to exit the apartment and that the police would have to earn their money. The state police. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to earn today. (laughs) I know I'm going to prison. Fuck you. You're going to earn it this time. (laughs) The state police special emergency response team was called and Drew eventually was taken into custody inside the apartment at about 5 a.m. A search warrant was executed, and the firearm used in the incident was found concealed behind the bottom stove drawer. I don't know how they found that. Hmm. Well, yeah, they'd have to turn the place upside down, no, or somebody kidding. told them, hey, this is where yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Laricia said Drew has convictions in Illinois for multiple firearm possession and drug violations, and Sewer tentatively set a preliminary hearing on April 13th. Sounds like just the kind of thing you should do on the day celebrating. The Lord's, Lord's resurrection. I always, I always wonder about, like the, I mean, I know, I know why they put people in jail 
awaiting their trial, but that always strikes me as so counter to a presumption of innocence. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it disproportionately affects people at the lower end, lower end of the income scale also. Like poor people get locked up. Rich people can just pay their bail and right. fucking walk away. And it, and it also affects the perception of the jury too. If you come out shackled and in an orange jumpsuit, even if you haven't done anything, but you've been sitting in jail waiting for your trial and then you come out looking like a prisoner mm-hmm. and then they have someone go up on, on, on the stand who's dressed as an officer, right. which is also not elite. That's, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to go dressed as an officer. So why, so why are we forcing them to go as a prisoner? Because you're not allowed to go dressed as an officer? No, you have to wear, you're supposed to wear a suit because it unfairly uh, biases the jury. Well, so would a suit if the fucking <laughs> like, guy's in a jumpsuit. Exactly. Yeah. But, but they're saying that it, it adds credibility at, if you show up as an officer, uh, like with the badge and everything, that there's implied and, credibility yeah. that affects the trial. But then somehow an orange jumpsuit and shackles doesn't. And, and a suit doesn't convey something similar along those lines, uh, particularly when contrasted against somebody in an well, orange jumpsuit. Yeah, but they should let him wear a suit too. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Everyone should be in suits or whatever. Or everyone whatever. should be in just regular street clothes or whatever. But yeah, yeah whatever. But, yeah. but or, you know, it shouldn't not be, have them in jail to begin with and just, you know, say, well, there's that. Yeah, this is your I court mean, date. If you miss it, then you're going to jail for real, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm really struck by. How, how much better rich people have it than other people just in general, right? Like when we, not that I'm rich by any means, but I, I'm certainly more well off than a lot of people that I know and am much more well off than I have been in at previous moments in my life. I, I have been really poor. I've been that kid in school with the fucking shoes with holes in it and duct tape and. But you pulled yourself up by them shoes and got yourself to where you are today. <laughs> pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. <laughs> no, I have, I have led a very privileged life where I have just kind of lucked my way into great jobs and, and learning experiences that led to even better jobs. I've been very, very fortunate in my life that. I mean, I, I never, I never got my college degree. I never finished college, but I happen to be pretty good at just read, being able to read stuff and learn stuff pretty quickly. And that's how I picked up programming. And then it's just all my years of experience backed up where I am in my career now. And even now, I wish that I had been able to finish my degree because I would automatically, I mean, I'd be making more money now if I had my degree. And I would be in a better position, but I'm at a point in life now where I'm making a decent wage. But when we went to go to Oklahoma, we're standing in line. We're like, we go to the Salt Lake airport, ready to head to Oklahoma and go to go through the security check line. And it's like fucking all the way down the hallway out into almost the parking lot mm-hmm. to get through security. And I was like, holy shit. We've got an hour before the plane starts boarding. I don't know if we're going to have enough time. And at Salt Lake Airport, they started this new thing called Clear Me. It's a separate private company where you can pay them a shit ton of money. Boo. <laughs> to sign up for biometric identification and clearance purposes. You, so you, you know, you give them your fingerprints and a retina scan and fill out all of your address information and some background information and then you're cleared through security you like you can just walk up to this thing you know 
enter your biometric data, whether it's your fingerprints or, or retina scan and bypass the security line and just go on through basically. But you have to pay a lot of fucking money to do that. And I thought, so, so we, we did it because you could do it on a trial basis, like, come on and come on over and we'll get y'all set up. And this will automatically renew in 30 days for a year's supply of this thing. But right now, if you just sign up, then we can let you through. And so we went and did that. Ultimately, we ended up going through the line at right about the same time we would have anyway. There was a guy who was standing a few people in front of us that Tracy recognized as we were finally going through the, through mm-hmm. the security checkpoint. And he was there right about the same time we were. Hmm. But it struck me that in, in future going through the airport, I would be able to use this. And it's only because I have more money than a lot of the other people standing in line. And I was like, that's really kind of fucking bullshit. Like, why is it that only because I have more money than these people that I get to go through? Like, that's fucking bullshit to me. Why is, why can't everybody do that? Why can't, why doesn't the government control that kind of thing? (laughs) A capitalist government? They're doing exactly (laughs) what they should. Let private business take it over and. People who can pay get it and the rest are fucked. That's exactly what capitalism is. Well, yeah, but there's so much stuff like that in life where if you have the means to be able to pay for something, it makes your life. Oh, shit. Sorry. If you have the means, I just smacked the microphone. <laughs> but if you have the means to pay for something. You can become president. It, yeah. You can, you can do so much more than people at the lower end of the, in, of the economic scale. And that's really fucking unfair. And it bothers me a lot. And mm. I feel personally guilty. Like. Well, I make more money and I can afford to do this. And so I do these things and then I'm like, fuck, what about all these people over here who are, you know, there's, I know a bunch of people who don't make as much as money as I do, who are tons smarter, way nicer, <laughs> like just better people overall who get fucked because they don't make as much money as I do. I think you're a pretty sweet guy. Well, thank you. But that's, that's, that's the reason nice why you say. care <laughs> at, at all about this. I mean. Well, that's very nice of you to say, but it, it still, it just really bothers me on a basic fundamental level that only because I make more money than some of these other people that I get to go through the line. Like it's because we're fucked up feminine Democrats that care about equality. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just wish we'd go back to the old way of doing things where you just walk from what off off the fucking street and just walk to whatever terminal you want to go to. Oh, so not that old. I thought you meant like, you know, you get mad and you just spear the guy (laughs) something. Dude, yeah, and, the and apparently they're completely redoing Salt Lake Airport. Oh, yeah. Like they're, from what I understand, they're going to basically level the existing airport. Hmm. And they're, they've already started construction on a brand new airport that's going to be a single terminal to handle all airport traffic. And they're making larger runways so they can bring in larger planes. And- as long as it's not going to be Hartsfield. I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's going to be, it's a big deal. Like it's, yeah, it, it, it looks very impressive from the posters they have hanging in the existing terminals at the airport now that will eventually come down. It sounds like. Well, and especially considering Delta is probably looking for a new place to host their a new headquarters <laughs> since, since George is a bunch of uncooperative pricks that think it's fun to, you know, you don't like the NRA. We're going to fucking remove your tax credit. And they're like, okay, well, we'll just go to some other state that likes us. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but the new airport, I mean, the new airport, when it's done, looks like it's going to be pretty cool. But it just, I don't know, I, I started thinking about so many other things in life that I can just pay for, and I don't even have to think about it. But I can remember times in my life where there's no fucking way that I would ever have been able to do any of this stuff 
only because I didn't have the money available to do it. And that seems so basically unfair that it just, it makes me cringe. Anyway. Damn liberals. So, <laughs> uh. What are Dan liberals? Dan this liberals. Guy, this guy oh. said to my head left. Dan liberals. Radio left, people. That's where oh, Dan's Oh, not sitting. this fucking guy. <laughs> yes, this fucking guy. I absolutely love this video. <laughs> I have not seen this yet, but listener <laughs> Alan Furkinoff sent us a link. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> to Matt's favorite crosshat wearing dipshit. Well, the interesting thing now here is Now it's fucking that camo. Him had to sit through, and you, once you click it, you'll understand, but he had to sit through 41 minutes of this guy's inanity. What? Is the video that I'm about to click on 41 minutes long? It's, it's, it's more than 40. It's like the entire- Dave Dobbenmeyer fucking show, and he queued it up to the right point where oh, it needs okay. to be. But it's just, man, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the link that Alan sent to us is to uh, Hemet Meta's blog out on Patheos, and it says the the title of the blog entry is Christian Right Activist. You shouldn't touch yourself because it's totally gay. <laughs> the text of the blog entry says Christian right activist Dave Dobbenmeyer said on his Pass the Salt live webcast Wait, Pass I know we've talked about that before but that's <laughs> yeah. Pass the Salt That's so fucking dumb Yeah Pass the Salt live webcast yesterday that masturbation was wrong in part because it was a form of homosexuality because you're <laughs> you're satisfying someone of the same gender when you satisfy yourself is what I'm guessing. You may be thinking about titties, but you're pulling a penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're touching yourself. Therefore, oh, it is. Therefore, you're touching someone of the same sex. Therefore, it's totally gay. Hashtag Christian logic. <laughs> uh, masturbation is homosexuality. You're having sex with a man. You get it? You put images of woman in your mind, but you're having sex with a man. It is where the devil will take us if we give them free reign in our minds. But let's... We, we can As if that. he doesn't do that. <laughs> right. And, and, has, and never has. Yeah. Maybe he just really regret. Maybe he just really regrets his, you know, self-pleasing homosexual penis tugging and now has to, you know, pay penance for it Com through his Pass the Salt live show. Completely neglecting sex toys, too. Yeah. Like Oh yeah, yeah. You can get a you can get a pocket pussy, right? As a male, you can get a pocket pussy. You can get a pocket whatever that you're going to stick your penis into. Yep, flashlight. Yeah, flashlight. Uh, there's another. There's, there's a lot of brands out there. People go to yeah. adamandeve.com. <laughs> <laughs> proud. No, they're not proud sponsors. <laughs> uh, let's see what he says. Masturbation is homosexuality. You're having sex with a man. Well, if you're a man who's masturbating. Yeah. And first of all, so what? First of all, whenever you say first of all, I, I, I automatically in my head, from whatever episode you said it in, I, I, I hear when you say first of all, and then I hear fuck truck. You said that during one of the episodes and it really. <laughs> oh, really? It hit my funny bone. And I don't so know. Now <laughs> I don't. I didn't realize I said first of all very, that and often. I've listened to all 200 and I don't even get that reference. <laughs> Fuck it me, it, right? it had an impact on me for whatever reason. You know, I think I think the fuck truck part just really You know what sticks in my head? Huh. McCords, bro. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, what? McCords. Yeah. You know, like when never mind. Sorry. When, when I have to a... when I have to take this long circuitous route to explain my thinking, I'm like, I should have just not opened my mouth then, probably. <laughs> I just remember my 
pair of kickwear cords that I had. They were baby blue and they had the big ass jingo legs on them. <laughs> I was a cool guy in high school. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I don't think I've worn corduroys. No, I had a pair of, <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want to say I had a pair of air quotes, nice corduroys. Uh, during my first marriage, they were like, they were like dress corduroy pants that I still don't understand, but they were a thing for a little while. You get it? Now you put images of a woman in your, in your mind, but you're having sex with a man. How do you know? How do you know so much about how to do it? Yeah. How do you know what's going on in my mind while I'm doing it? Could be thinking about Smurfs. I mean, it could be. (laughs) It's how, it's how, uh, that's how the, that's where the devil will take us if we give him free reign in our minds. Why, how is that tied to the devil? Like, well, first, I guess I've never understood why religion has a big hang up about masturbation. Why, why is masturbation so bad? Because you're not defiling somebody else. You're not spreading disease. You're not, if, I mean, if you're a virgin, you're not losing your virginity, but you're still able to satisfy those sexual urges. Why is masturbation so bad? Because controlling sexuality is dominating. Well, sure, but... The the God decides all of that. Well, I guess... So even if we figure the people people who believe in a God don't want you to masturbate, what are, what are, what is their reason for not wanting you to masturbate? I mean, what are they, what do they say as you shouldn't do it? Are we, are we going to have a discussion about the fact that Christians don't have a practical I- a reason for something. I mean, is that, <laughs> is that, is that the discussion we're having? <laughs> well, do you, I mean, were you ever given a reason other it's than immoral. it's bad? Yeah. It's immoral. It's not it's sexual bad. purity. You'll grow hair on your palms. You'll go blind. Well, but yeah, like all I've ever heard is it's bad, but they've never explained why it's bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's the whole bit about. Onan. About. Was it Lot's wife spilling his seed? Onan. Onan. Yeah. So he he jerked off into the desert instead of putting think, his seed he, into somebody. So was it just that you're wasting? Out. In his dead brother's wife. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. pulled out before. He pulled out. Yeah. yeah. So so is it just that you're... But even that scripture is supposed to be about the fact that he didn't do what he was supposed to do, which was impregnate his brother's wife. His yeah. dead brother's wife. And yeah. it's not about the fact that the sperm hit the sand. It's about the fact that it didn't make it to her eggs. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying but, the, the only the only justification I've, I've ever heard for it growing up was right. that you're not supposed to because you're just wasting... You're just you're just tossing your seed around willy nilly all over the place. As all, we learned from the book of Python, you can't every, get, you can't get a sock pregnant. Come on, every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is good. Every sperm is needed. But in I, your neighborhood. But I have. But I haven't ever heard a, a real like that's the that's the only reason I've heard other than just it's bad. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if there was any other attempt at justifying why it's bad or explaining why it's bad. Well, well I have heard that. You'll train yourself to come more quickly <laughs> and that's less pleasurable for your partner. That's, that's, that's the only other thing I, that, that I've had. You've heard that one? I yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think that was one specific case. I don't think that was like any doctrinal thing. Uh-huh. It was just my buddy's mom. I know the alt-right has a very much a don't touch yourself thing. You should save that for the women, you know, kind of thing where they've got that going on where you're being effeminate if you're somehow masturbating. You need to be more manly and not do that. 
have more self-control kind of thing? Yeah, I or? guess so. And huh. Jordan Peterson's one of those guys that pushes that kind oh, of thing as well. Oh, fuck Jordan Peterson. What a piece of shit that fucking guy well, is. Well, Dan, it's obvious you haven't read his entire body of work. <laughs> oh, wait. And, and the, unless it's the other reason, then you're taking him out of context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all of all of the atheist center lords who think Jordan B. Peterson makes a bunch of great points. It's like, do you also know that he's super Christian-y? Yep. I'll bet you don't. <laughs> Bet you don't fucking know that. Um, kind of hard to miss. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've, I've just, I've never understood the uh, rules or, or telling people why they shouldn't masturbate. Yeah, I was always I paranoid. Either. I was always paranoid that my parents were going to either catch me or they had a camera set up somewhere in the bathroom. <laughs> I had a fucked up childhood, people. <laughs> so did you masturbate in your closet in the dark? Shower. Alone, shower. Crying? The steam in the shower ah, would cover it up. Ah. That doesn't cover anything up, guys. Clouds clouds <laughs> the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. That's why I said in the in the commentary that I wrote yesterday, I don't know if I have time to read it, and I don't know if I should read it. Sex is a behavior, guys. It's a behavior. An orgasm. Oh, do I have to say that word? <laughs> he can't say the word orgasm without feeling bad about himself. I think this guy might be a little bit sexually repressed. Maybe that's where all of his fucking anger comes from. <laughs> like, he wants to come so hard. On but a, on he a just dude. Can't. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this just sounds awful. I just got to say it. Sometimes one of the greatest feelings that you could ever have is a bowel movement. <laughs> So he likes he likes things tickling his poop shoot is what he's is what he's saying it sounds like. Hmm. Well, you know, there's a there's a good evolutionary reason for why a shit feels at least sort of good. And why and if why masturbation and sex feels good. And right. Right, of course. I don't think there's an evolutionary reason why there's a G spot in the men's ass, but I I don't <laughs> Probably yeah, probably not. I mean just, men just can so climax, happens to be there. Yeah, <laughs> men can climax without hitting the G-spot. But, <laughs> but you were going to say what? Oh, no, I think that was sufficient. <laughs> yeah, knocking into the wonders of pegging. You guys anything. ever had one of those moments where you thought you could never get home? If I, man, I, I, I'm holding it, I'm holding it, I got to get home, can you run in the house? Because I got a shit? That's what he's saying? Mm-hmm. I got a so, shit, I got to get home. Yeah, nobody's, just like how nobody's ever had that. Just like how uh, the good doctor was talking about how people on the right seem to be germaphobes. Hmm. If I got to go, any bathroom will do. <laughs> Maybe that's my liberal brain thinking here. I'll even use the nasty ass 7-Eleven bathroom. I don't care. Just <laughs> whatever tends to be closest. And the relief that comes. Well, is, is that feeling any different than the relief that you get when you have an orgasm? Uh, yeah. For me, yes, very much so. Is there, <laughs> is there a reason you're unaware of this? Both of them are temporary releases and feelings of pleasure. One is associated with sex and one isn't. They or both. Mm, they both they <laughs> both can be. Yeah. I, I'm done with this game. This is Natalie Newell of Science Moms and the Parenthetical Science Podcast. You are listening to the Godless Revolution. Bridget. 
What? You should try praying. I'm not gonna pray. I'm not gonna pray to God. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you know what? You tell that to God because he carried uh, that guy across the sand and there was one set of footprints, Bridget. It's Remember the dumbest that? thing I've ever yeah. heard. Then here, how about this? You pray to the Virgin Mother. She's my favorite. Mine too. Mothers cannot be virgins. Well, Mary can. She was blessed by the Holy Spirit. Mary was forced to have that baby. Oh! <gasps> Bridget. I'm sorry, but Matthew and Luke and whoever did some stuff to her. I don't want to hear it, Bridget. then called it an angel baby. Okay, listen to me. That is the mother of God no, you're talking about. We're all stuck praying to this angel baby. What are you talking about? I am on Mary's side. I am Team Mary. There are no teams. Yeah. There are no teams there in the teams. Bible. You are helping them get away with it. <gasps> Bridget, it's just blasphemous. That's what it is, and I don't really like it. I am sorry to break it to you, but there's not some old bearded guy in the sky watching over us. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! What else do you have for us? Oh, shit. Tonight, Matt. I have a... Putting you on the spot, sorry. I have a uh, takeaways from LDS General Conference. Oh. Uh-oh. Yay. Oh my god. Yeah, we didn't fucking talk about that. Maybe we can talk about well, please go ahead. There was I'm excited. There's a lot that happened in 2018, people. <laughs> um so this is this is actually a very condensed um as it's only well, it's not very long. We'll just blow through it. Um this took place uh, March 31st and April 1st. Uh, but usually this is when uh, the leadership, the crusty old white men of the le- of the LDS church get together and it's basically a state of the union slash what's going to happen moving forward type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so main highlights, uh, two new apostles brought international and racial diversity. This is written by Jana Reese um, to the Quorum of the Twelve. She's the- like one of my favorite Mormons now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The religion got its first ever apostle from the Southern Hemisphere in Ulysses Soares, uh, 59, of Sao Paulo, Brazil. California native Garrett Gong, 64, became the first apostle of Asian descent. The Quorum of the Twelve previously had only one member who was not an American, uh, Dieter Uchtdorf of Germany. The silver Fox. And no one was not white. <laughs> <laughs> New 70s were called, again, with a strong international focus. The leaders hail from Australia, Portugal, Chile, Japan, and Brazil, as well as the United States. Dallin Oaks notes that there are now 116 general authorities of the church, and almost 40% of them were born outside of the U.S. The conference's strong international focus was also evident in which leaders spoke and gave each session's opening and closing prayers. Are any of the new leaders black? I I mean, it sounded like there was a smattering of a bunch of different nationalities. I don't think so. But it didn't sound like any of them were black. Unless Ulysses Soros is, but I don't know. Hmm. Um, as president Nelson prepares to leave next week for his tour of eight nations, it seems clear that one focus of his presidency is going to be the LDS church's reach in the world. Now I just pulled up a picture of elder Ulysses Suarez and he is not black. He's a little swarthy, but definitely not black. Oh, look at that. Another rich businessman. Hey, how about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. 
Um, and then I wrote here that, except that if this is truly a church that receives intel from the Godmaster General, shouldn't all of this pseudo-progressive diversity hiring have taken place right from the beginning and not after social movements and pressures? Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If if God put this perfect church in his restored word here on earth, mm-hmm. why is it taking it so fucking long to catch up to all the social progress we've made over the last, I don't know, how many years since 1978 when they finally decided to allow black people to hold the priesthood? Mm-hmm. That'd be 40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's, that's easy. <laughs> I was born in 74. I'm 44. Uh, yeah, I could have done that math. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, wait, it is an eight. That means you only have to worry about that second number. <laughs> A heckler disturbed the proceedings, shouting, stop protecting sexual predators three times. This seems to have been related to the church's unfolding scandal concerning Joseph Bishop, a former president of the Missionary Training Center in Provo, who was accused of sexual misconduct with at least one sister missionary in the 1980s. During the conference weekend, Salt Lake City television station KUTV, what? Uh, There's somebody suing. The the church over that guy now. So yeah, there's there, a lawsuit out there now. There were many more than just one victim, but okay, one civil suit. Yeah, going on right now at least. Uh, well, local station KUTV ran a story suggesting the LDS church's attorney may have provided documentation that contained sensitive information about the female victim's history to the accused man's son, Greg Bishop, who then released it to the media. No speakers overtly referenced the MTC controversy during the weekend. The one did speak out strongly against non-consexual immorality. Um, phrasing did you it, say consexual? Did I? It Con- sounded like non-consensual. Non-consensual. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bit of a scandal about that line, too. <laughs> Except yeah. I disagree with Jana here because phrasing it that way means they did not come out strongly against it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if they say non-consensual immorality instead of rape or sexual assault, right, yeah. that's not coming out strongly against well, it. Well, and, and it's... It's victim blaming. You're you're saying that the victim was immoral. Right. It may have been unconsensual. Un- oh my god. No, <laughs> it may have been non-consensual, but that person was still immoral for allowing themselves to be fucking attacked by this person. Dude, it yeah. didn't attack. It didn't attack. <laughs> Non-contextual attack. <laughs> um the LDS church the LDS church's rate of growth has dipped below 1.5% church is still growing but not with the robust speed enjoyed in the 1970s through the 80s through the 90s excuse me when growth rates often range between 4 and 8% in 2012 the church had a growth rate of 2.3% and is now steadily falling a bit each year to the 2017 numbers announced this weekend to show it now at 1.47%. Hmm. Got to remember the commercials from the 90s too. Yeah. Families. It's about time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a message from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day, of Latter-day Saints. Uh, home and visiting teaching give way to ministering. Hmm. Sunday was also a day for surprise announcements. While in recent months, the LDS Church has rolled out changes to home and visiting teaching. On Sunday, President Nelson announced the program's demise. We have made the decision to retire home teaching and visiting teaching as we know, as we have known them, he said. Instead, we will be implementing a newer, holier approach. We will refer to these efforts simply as ministering. Details of the new program are available at the church's website. Wait, holier? How can that be possible? (laughs) God gave you an imperfect and less holy instructions initially, and that failed, and now it's been corrected? Well, we focused tested this one. (laughs) Well, and it just wasn't translated correctly. Okay, so his church leaders aren't representing him properly. Mm. 
Well, you know, is, they're that's only their human. only job. <laughs> they're only human. They have free will, you know. And what about the power of to... discernment that was used to appoint these people to these positions? Mm-hmm. I think New Name Noah's got some words about the dis- the power of discernment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, women spoke in three of four sessions for most conference weekends in recent memory. Only two women have addressed the faithful in mixed gender general sessions in the April 2017 conference, which featured 30 total speakers over four general sessions. Only one woman uh, spoke. The LDS viewer, the LDS viewer suggested on Twitter on Saturday that it would be great to hear from one woman during each general session, bringing the ratio of male to female speakers to something more like six or seven to one. Uh, for this modest entreaty, she received significant hateful pushback from some on Twitter, as well as support from others. Uh, there were very few mentions of the traditional family when compared to other recent conferences. Themes of the weekend included the importance of prophets, the vitality of personal re- revelation, and cultivating an ability to discern the promptings of the Holy Spirit and how to minister more effectively to others in the ward. With only a couple of exceptions, few speakers doubled down on the traditional family. There were pieces of advice for parents and gratitude expressed to individual speakers' spouses, but a relative dearth of references to the family being under attack. No one discussed LGBT issues or same-sex marriage. Hmm. Well, who the hell's it under attack by then? (laughs) Satan. So I don't know if we should... No, I don't want to save it for the Patreon portion of the show. We're going to have a little bit of a longer episode tonight because I want to talk a little bit more about this uh, because this all happened while I was in Oklahoma at the American Atheist Convention and wasn't really on social media a whole lot because I was being social in meat space. <laughs> but after I learned all about this, it was like, holy fucking shit, man. And I, and I had to watch this video. Uh, I'm going to play this little news clip here. Uh, this is from local news affiliate Fox 13. Not a Sinclair station. Not a Sinclair station, (laughs) which is good. And, and actually the local Fox channel here is pretty good. Like the, the reporting and the people there are all pretty cool. Yeah. People that are local, check out Ben Winslow. He's a reporter for Fox and usually does a lot of the political stuff. You should follow him on Twitter. He's He's a good good dude. Yeah. Well, that afternoon session wrapped up about one hour ago, but early on, about 20 minutes in, at about 2.20 this afternoon, somebody stood up and started shouting. Let's take a look. And that shout of stop protecting sexual predators, most likely in reference to the recent allegations by a woman who said that the head of the Provo Missionary Training Center sexually assaulted her back in the 1980s. It could also be referencing uh, the call to end those one-on-one interviews between bishops and children. Now, as people left the conference today, we reached out to get their reaction. Causes you to wonder what's going on, that someone would want to do that um, just for a moment, and then you just kind of focus back on why you're there and the peace that you feel. and what it means to you. So she's actually like sitting right across from us and it scared me more than anything. Like it just startled me. And honestly, I was just like, there's always going to be people and it's been kind of common recently. And I was just more interested in watching the new apostles. I don't give a fuck about my own rights. I just worry about, you know, what what the leaders are telling me. I mean, <laughs> my name is Ben Pincock. I was going to say, <laughs> what an unfortunate name. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I've been a Pincock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when all this broke, the way that it was packaged to me and that I understood it was if we if we take a step back and look at some of the recent legislation that was uh, being put through 
uh, Utah's legislature here in order to be passed as law. One of them was that you needed two-person consent for recordings. Mm -hmm. And the LDS church was pushing this really hard. They were backing this. And it was out of nowhere too. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, like what, this has been like Utah, you need single party consent for ever. Like that's the way it is. And all of a sudden out of the blue, this is coming up and everybody was kind of scratching their heads. Like, well, why, why is this so important right now? And why is the LDS church really, really pushing hard for this to pass? And one of the reasons as it has been explained to me, is because they had knowledge that, so this this elder bishop who ran the MTC and was sexually harassing the young woman there, uh, they were made aware of a recording where he admitted to harassing this woman, of, of sexually assaulting her, and they wanted to pass this legislation so that that would never see the light of day. Because yep. they had already started uh, victim blaming the women and trying to trying to say that they were just immoral and were trying to do whatever on their own, whatever, and did not want any of this to see the light of day. So they tried to pass this legislation so that it wouldn't be able to be. Yeah, because they they know that if they can pass a law that requires both parties, they know they can control those bishops. Mm-hmm. And so then they have full control. Right. Even though, even though, you know, yeah, it requires two, but as long as that one side is locked up, you have full control of all those conversations. So it's kind of sinister. Yeah. You know? It was an attack helicopter. <laughs> Someone's gender just flew over the house. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> stupid I'm shit. I'm so tired of that fucking <laughs> argument. Fucking, I saw that in the, I saw your comment in the Utah Atheist group the I, other day I, for I just, that fucking clown who said that. And I was like, I got to like Chris's comment like, here because that's fucking awesome. Like, dude, that joke is so goddamn tired. <laughs> it's funny to me. Yeah, well, that's because you're a fucking moron. <laughs> hey, how about using a little bit of that big brain of yours and have a section, uh, just a segment of like empathy towards these people that, you know, trans people are legitimately killed because they date somebody that doesn't want to date them. And they had no idea of that until they re- they let people know. And it's like, oh, I guess I better kill this person because I thought it was a woman, but it was really not a woman. Oh, God damn it. That yeah, that pisses whole, me the fuck off, That whole man. thread was a fucking <laughs> shit show, man. But like, are you attracted to the person or just what's between their legs? It's yeah. like, fucking hell, man. Yeah. And I, I had a decent conversation with one of the with one of the people in there who was saying that they would never dra- that they would never date a trans person but they're not entirely sure why and I was trying to suss out why <laughs> mm-hmm. why that's the case because there are trans people who not only pass but that you would never know that they were ever a trans person and so if your big fucking hang up is that you would never date a trans person but you can't even tell me why even knowing and admitting that there are trans people who you're attracted to and that you would never know unless they told you like what's the fucking deal and I said, so it sounds to me like you're still viewing this idea of uh, that, a, that a trans woman is still somehow a man. Mm. And they're like, no, that's not it. And I'm like, okay, well. Then what is it? What is then? it? Because you haven't, <laughs> you've said you don't know why. That's the only thing that I can possibly think of as to why you would have any hang up about this. So what is your issue? Well, I don't know. It just, I feel like they're lying to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're there not. You go. Yeah. <laughs> So, but like, unless happy times are going to be happening in the bedroom, you don't have a right to know what the fuck is between their legs. It's just like, what the hell, dude? 
Yeah. It's like you automatically assume that when you go on a date with somebody, you're going to be fucking later that night. It's like, well, and then to say that, <laughs> that it's, that it's the responsibility of the trans person to let everybody else know that they're trans versus being the bigot who won't date a trans person and letting everybody know, <laughs> Hey, I'm not going to date a trans person. Oh, and then they pulled out the ally card. I'm an ally. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you quite understand how, how that works. No, you don't get to declare that yourself there, buddy. <laughs> That's other people giving you that title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried, I tried the Socratic method and we went back and forth and back and forth. And I mean, it, it worked for the most part until he made his own little snarky sub thread. After yeah. That. I was just like, yeah, that was that bad, dude, man. That was bad. Um, I, st- I haven't been in YouTube, I mean, on Facebook drama in a long goddamn time. And that one just brought it out. I was like, I'm supposed to be writing fucking into your fucking referrals for <laughs> employees and shit. And here I am fighting on Facebook. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Got to a point where I had to turn it off. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said my piece and then it was like notification after notification after notification of people posting and commenting. And I'm like, I got to turn that off because I got other shit to do. <laughs> Uh, but that should wrap it up for us this evening. But before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be Michelle Short, Christy Kalbach, Camille Borowski, Numania, Alan Firth, Gutheist. Larry Wilson, Dr. Dan, Matt's boss from 2SC <laughs> Podcast, to whom we pledge loyalty. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> Janet Uter, Let Them Eat Kofefe, Stephen Andrews, Marius Kotbuchakowski, Rob Otto, Vanessa Lowe. Utah Outcasts, Tim Jacobson, Matt Tuller, Megan Kennedy, Andrew Vodapich, Randy Hamrick, Jeremy Goodson, Angelica Pearson, Wesley Aaron, Jeff Peterson, Savita Kuna, <laughs> Purple Dragon, and Taylor Grin. Thank all of you. So, so much. We appreciate it more than you know. So thank you all very much for listening tonight. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to reach us at godlessrevolution at gmail.com. You can tweet us at TGR Podcast. Uh, you can visit us on our Facebook page or join our online Facebook community, which is easily findable under Godless Revolution. That's Revolution with a B. Or call um, Dan Cell at 801-784-2053. That is my cell phone number. <gasps> if anybody wants to give me a call, because I can easily block that shit if you're an asshole. <laughs> and if you're a friend of the show, yeah, fuck, give me a call. Leave me a message. I don't typically answer phone calls initially. So, <laughs> Goddamn millennials. So that's fine. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of the show for so long. Season five will be starting in just a couple weeks mm-hmm. after we did our 200th episode just last week. So it's all fun and exciting stuff, man. And I appreciate you guys for being here and doing the show with me. I appreciate all of our guests and most importantly, I appreciate all of our listeners who have been for one reason or another listening to us for four years now. Strangely, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to move into the Patreon portion of the show where we're going to talk about some other fantastic fun stuff. If you want to become a Patreon supporter of the show, a Patreon patron, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution. We can pledge as little as $1 per episode to get all kinds of fun and fantastic freebies like extended episodes and occasional bonus episodes and fun stuff like that. And then we're going to do some other things in the future as we gain more Patreon supporters. So if you like what we're doing and want to su- help support the work that we're doing, please go out there and do that. And and also, if you can't afford to do that, it would be great if you could go out to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else, and give us a five-star rating. That helps. Uh, improve the visibility of the show for other people who may also be interested. So 
We would greatly appreciate it if you could do that. Also share the show, share links to the show, share things that we put out on our page, though I haven't been good at doing that a whole lot. Whenever I remember to do it, it seems like we get pretty good feedback on it, but I just have been so fucking busy that I haven't done a whole lot of that lately. But thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll move on to the Patreon stuff. And so until next week, crucify Trump smirking. <laughs> Trump smirking. Leave a cuckold to, re- to achieve nirvana. And rate the show five times a day towards Warren Jeff's ass. <laughs> <laughs>
Welcome uh, to the Godless God Revolution. Never ding dong. Name dong. I thought about jumping into it. I'm like, no, not ready. <laughs> I'm sorry about the dogs. <laughs> That's not your fault. It's that fucking maniac, tiny little bitch, man. She's fucking. She thinks she's just queen shit. Well, she was squaring off against me too. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, do you not see how big I am, <laughs> dude? If you would have like raised your arms and went ah, she would have peed and screamed running. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, there you go. GOP primary de- debate, the kids' table. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's not the one that I fell asleep on. Twenty fifteen. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> See, not being able to forget fucking awkward social moments. I can't ever forget this shit. (laughs) Fuck, I am an awkward human being.